Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Greetings, comrades, and welcome uh, to my birthday! Yay! My 31st birthday today, when I'm recording this. I would have uh, recorded an episode yesterday, but I lost about 30 minutes of Catherine the Great's conquest of Eastern Siberia due to a power loss, so you're not getting that until uh, Monday, I suppose. But right now, I'm just gonna continue our trend of political stuff. Don't worry, don't worry, uh, the rest of the things are incoming, but just wanted to make this episode to denote some of the more important things and, well, talk about some philosophical stuff too, I can do that once in a year as well. Now, what do we know, um, about Navalny's poisoning? If you remember last week, uh, the opposition leader of Alexander Navalny is poisoned, and, uh, he's still in coma. He's been in a coma, now it's an artificially induced coma, and he's in Germany now. But to represent the attitude that the Russian government has towards Navalny, well, we have to look at how the Kremlin's official spokespeople talk about it. Now, it's been 10 days at the moment of the recording since the Russian opposition politician, Navalny, fell violently ill, Due to poisoning, really, and uh, everyone who says it's not poisoning is just, uh, must be uh, a spokesperson for the RT. And he went into coma. And on the 24th, Dmitry Peskov spoke with some journalists, and, you know, no one else asked about anything else. See, as I mentioned in last episode, Navalny wasn't transported to Berlin because of FSB agents preventing this, and now there are theories out there that they were preventing his transportation so that as much as the poison could go out of his system and couldn't be detected. And uh, according to German doctors, Navalny was poisoned with a, uh, quote, chlorinesterazine inhibitor. And there's a variety of substances that fall in this category. That said, they've been treating him with atropine, a medication used as an antidote to a certain types of nerve agent and pesticide poisonings, and uh, apparently the poison is quite close with Navichok, uh, the thing that was used to poison Skripal in London. In response, 
officials in Germany, the United States, France and the EU in general urge the Russian authorities to find and punish those responsible. And while Dmitry Peskov, the spokesperson for Kremlin, like the press secretary of Putin, maintained that Moscow also wants to know what happened to Navalny, he also said it's too soon to definitively call the poisoning. The interesting part here is that he managed to never mention Navalny's name because that is prohibited on Russian mainstream media. Well, at least uh, a few days now. Now they're mentioning him, but they're like saying that he's a foreign agent and there's been an official Gosduma deputy stating that well, we should look into this as the German doctor said it's poisoning, so now we truly know who Navalny's real poisoners are because they all did just to make Putin look bad and and so forth and so forth. I'll get to Belarus too, but I just want to give you some notion about how Moscow feels about all of this situation. Quote from uh, Dmitry Peskov. We are also interested in understanding and determining what happened to the patient, but we can't do this yet. Various hasty formulations which are being so abundantly used about the fact that there is a high probability of poisoning and so on, well, we're being patient about this. But we strongly disagree with it at this stage. The poisonous substance needs to be found. And um, to me it kind of proves that Navalny was put in a hospital and held there and not let out of that place just so that the poisonous substance itself could leave his system so that it would be harder to find any evidence of his poisoning. And before I continue with um, what Dmitry Peskov said on the 24th, I have to state that uh, we now have the information that Navalny got poisoned on a plane, and if you look it up on YouTube, you will find videos of well, him screaming in a plane, uh, being in massive, massive amounts of pain and suffering, and the pilot himself uh, getting the decision and making the decision that he needs to land down the plane immediately. Well, according to how the GRU works, and I know a few things about it, having spoken with a few GRU agents myself, there must have been someone on the plane who, A, poisoned Navalny, and then, well, looked after him, and, uh had some ground contacts, because as it turns out, as Navalny was poisoned, two whole airports were shut down, two whole airports of possible landing sites, emergency landing sites were shut down because of bomb threats of anonymous callers. That means this was a pre-mediated, pre-organized trial. And as Navalny's allies have told on YouTube many times uh, all over the internet, Navalny always had led a very careful life, and we hope that he recovers, of course, but, you know, his personality might change due to the massive amount of brain damage that he apparently has suffered. But you have to understand that someone tried to poison Navalny, and it might have been Putin, might have been the locals who have been interested in his investigations, but at any rate, we are now uh, talking about a murder attempt on Navalny's life. And there are theories that it was not Putin, it was just a part of a plan, and these are conspiracy theories in the Russian opposition media, who speak about um, the fact that this might be to get rid of Putin, we have to blame him for something, and he hasn't really shown his face since February. But I don't believe that, I believe that this is just a nice little PR stunt made by some local, without Putin's knowledge, who has been sitting in his... Uh, 
well, bunker, so to speak, and now Putin is not even dealing with damage control, because as we see from whatever Peskov is telling us, Dmitry Peskov being the press secretary once again. And I'll continue with the quote, well, from what Peskov says. We are categorically opposed to anyone, let's say, sticking any kind of labels on the current situation. That is, calling it poisoning when it has yet to be confirmed as poisoning, Peskov insists. Of course we are also interested. This is a Russian citizen who is in a coma, and we would like to find out what caused this coma. Drawing attention to Peskov repeatedly referring to Alexei Navalny as the patient, rather saying the name, a journalist from the BBC asked him why. Quote, Isn't it time to break his addition? Especially since the guy is in such a state, in a coma? And, well, the response was, quote, He's a patient, and he's sick. That's what we're calling him. And we still wish him a speedy recovery. Peskov responded, adding that calling Navalny by his name wouldn't change the facts of the matter. And uh, referring to the announcement on the 24th of August that Russian oligarch Yevgeny Prigozhin had personally acquired the rights to the 88 million ruble, that is 1.2 million dollar debt that Navalny, Lubov Sobol, his assistant, and the Anti-Corruption Foundation owed the Moskovsky's Koenig Food Production Facility, a journalist from Echo Moskve asked if Prigozhin, who is known for his links to Putin, has coordinated his statement with the Kremlin. Prigozhin, and I quote here, is an entrepreneur and a businessman. In this case, he's taken actions which he considers necessary based on his own interests. And so this has nothing to do with us, and it can't have anything to do with the president. Pesco responded to this question. And uh, asked about the 23rd August statement from the State Duma Speaker Vyacheslav Volodin about Russia's officials planning to investigate the circumstances surrounding Navalny's poisoning for evidence of foreign political interference, because he was really adamant about it. He was like, now let's look deep into this matter, there must be something serious there. Peskov suddenly became less dismissive of the poisoning scenario. Quote, Remember, from the very beginning, I told you that the theory of poisoning as the cause of the patient's condition, then again, he only refers to Navalny as the patient, because if you speak Navalny's name three times, he might appear in the mirror and haunt you for the rest of your life, or, uh, as in the case with Hashtur, summon the elder ones who will eat all reality and destroy humanity as we know it. Obviously, that's gonna happen, well, at least in Russian realities, so it's the patient it is. <clears throat> Quote, the patient's condition was one of the first of our doctors considered when they were looking for any poisonous substances in his system and doing tests. Hypothetically speaking, if we came to the final conclusion that a poisoning occurred and the poisonous substances were to be established, then, of course, there is reason to think about whose interests it served. But I repeat once again, unfortunately, so far, this is just a theory which does not provide an answer to this question since there is no poisonous substance, and since the exact cause of his coma has yet to be established. Those are Peskov's words. Now, obviously this is a lot of suspicion, because, you know, Navalny is not called by name, and we don't know the substance, and not like the Kremlin wants an extra amount of difficulty added to their own problems, not like Kremlin wants to take bad PR stunts, because they've had enough with Lukashenko already. But the consistent tone of calling Navalny the patient, even though literally everyone, and they've been receiving calls from the EU officials and even the United States, even though everyone knows it's Navalny, 
and nobody's calling him that way, well, does cause a lot of suspicion, doesn't it? But there's another thing happening. There's a thing about Russian military already being at Belarus, and personally I have to say that Belarus looked hopeful at the beginning, then the strike started, and uh, the mass protest kind of went a bit down, because Belarusians are... I've learned a lesson or two from listening to Mike Duncan's Revolutions podcast. Revolutions need to be bloody! Bloody goddammit! The Belarusians think that by doing nothing and by peaceful protest that'll achieve something, and they've done that, and it hasn't achieved anything, and now there are strikes, and it still doesn't achieve anything because Lukashenko is just firing the people who are on strikes and hiring uh, Uzbeks and Tajiks and people from Russia to work in their stead, and has now appeared in public with him and his 15-year-old son, both wearing uh, armored vest, Kevlar's, and holding Kalashnikov's extremely wrong. Uh, if you look up the videos, then you, if you have any no knowledge about guns, then you'll know that he's holding them in such a position that'll probably well, shoot himself in the foot. But the thing is that the protests are kind of pewtering out, but the strikes are more aggressive. Anyway, Lukashenko is doing things and he's apparently made some deal with Putin. And, well, let's look at that because Kremlin has something very specific to state about their interference because they have bad PR as it is enough already. See, last week I spoke about uh, how... Um, Russian military troops were moving inside of Belarus. And, uh, yeah, apparently there were some joint exercises of um, Russian and Belarusian military, to which Lukashenko joined in and waved our hands and was promoting a greeting and applauded to, well, his special forces about suppressing the extremists and everything. Yeah, it's uh, kind of weird to watch how people who have been beating up innocent people are being applauded and how they cheer their uh, president. Yeah, but it's still bizarre. At any rate, uh, we got a confirmation of this, uh, even though it was just a rumor last time. Because a day after Vladimir Putin announced that Russia has created a police reserve to reinforce Belarusian law enforcement, quote-unquote, if necessary. Our friend Dmitry Peskov answered journalists that Moscow very much considers such assistance to be unlikely, he says. Unlikely. Quote, It is vital to understand, and the president emphasized it, this is a reserved unit and there is, in fact, no need to activate it or use it in any way, Peskov said. President Putin proceeds from the assumption that it won't be used in any way, and we are proceeding from the belief that Belarus won't face the extreme situation the president described. Asked if Moscow is considering assistance to Belarusian civil society, and not just the country's police force, Pesco declined to speculate on such aid, and instead praised law enforcement in Belarus for their, quote, extremely cautious and delicate work with protesters. Extremely cautious and delicate. Yeah. Beatings, torture, starvation, humiliation, all that. Extremely cautious and delicate. Now, let me remind you that yesterday, on August 27th, in an interview with Russian state television, 
From his bunker, though, Putin announced that the Kremlin has formed a reserve of police officers to be sent to Belarus in the event of widespread extremism and looting. Putin himself personally stated that, quote, Russian forces will not be used unless extremist elements in Belarus crossed the line and began the acts of looting. Now, some explanations in order, because about these extremist acts, uh, Lukashenko himself has changed all the narrative on the situation and now is blaming Poland, Lithuania and Latvia, my country, and, well, even Estonia, even though Estonia does not even border Belarus, because the Baltic states stand united, as we usually do, for inciting these, um, protest things, and he's called this newly formed opposition council, which has formed in Lithuania and has cells in Belarus to coordinate some peaceful negotiation about the end of protests and transfer of power with the Belarusian president Lukashenko, a terrorist organization. And he believes that Latvian, Lithuanian, and Estonian, and Polish tanks are standing on the borders and are now influencing internal Belarusian events uh, with the intent of crushing them. In a speech last week, Lukashenko stated that uh, NATO forces are eager and ready to destabilize the country in every way possible. They stand ready to end our independence and they want to take control over our country. And if I, the first president, fall, so too soon will Belarus itself. Even though he has interchangeably switched opinions from Russians to NATO to whatever, he still thinks that he is, well, the one leader to save them all. The problem is, as we have found out, is that he is mentally ill, as I've mentioned in the previous episode. And secondly, I truly believe that he firmly thought that only a couple of hundred protesters against him would appear, and he ordered himself for the police to use maximum force and maximum violence against the protesters, because he believed only two or three hundred would arrive, and to find out who funded them. The problem is, people in Belarus are, uh, well, a lot more than just two or three hundred who are dissatisfied with him. The problem with the Belarusian protesters is that they are not active enough. For example, they had a march, and they could have marched into the prison where one of their leaders, the husband of Tikhanovskaya, the guy who started all of this, is held, and they could have done a raid on the Bastille thing, but they did not. They're also the kind of protesters that pick up all the empty bottles and all the trash after them, and that they are afraid. The fact that they are already on the streets and protesting is a massive surprise for them, because in post-Soviet republics, and here I do not include the Baltic states, as the majority of the people from Russia and other uh, SNG countries do not include the Baltic states in the post-Soviet sphere anymore, which is a surprise to me, because I certainly do include us in the post-Soviet sphere, but the usual answer is that uh, the Western Baltics were always so different from us that it's kind of like including Czechoslovakia and Czechia in the post-Soviet sphere. So, while that stuns me, that doesn't stun them. Anyway, and um, all those dictatorial regimes everywhere, people even going out on the streets and protesting is a weird enough event as to cause some confusion. 
But as I say, and as Navalny said on this week's Navalny's Thursdays, it's not enough. They want a bloodless revolution, and we are seeing a dictator who, just like in Venezuela, does not want to give up his power. There will be blood on one side or the other if anything is to change. Otherwise, the protest will just pewter out and nothing will happen. And people will just continue living on, accepting their fates as they are. And that saddens me a lot. However, there is hope, since Tikhonovska has made a lot of statements from Lithuania. But she's not in Belarus. She's not in Belarus, she's not making the things as they go on. She's not doing what would be expected of a leader of a nation that has, you know... She's not leading the revolution from the front lines, is what I'm trying to tell you. It's a weird situation here, because... We all know that Belarusians want the change. I've seen a lot of channels, a lot of things, and no one wants Lukashenko at the center stage, at the control of everything. And a lot of protesters there, they're not even like pro-European Union. No, a lot of them are pro-Russian. There are a lot of protesters for Tikhonovskaya who actually think that Lukashenko stands on this unified government on the idea that Belarus should be united to Russia. Well, it wasn't at least harsh enough. There are a lot of pro-Russian sentiments there, for example, which we couldn't see when uh, protests happened in Ukraine or in Armenia, where situations were totally different. But even though that is a sentiment among some people, most people are very European-centric. And there is a saying which is uh, a popular among the Russian opposition, that is a Russian nationalistic far-right opposition to the Putin, Yes, there is one, and you'll be very afraid of them if you know what they talk about. I'm not talking about Zhirinovsky here, they are... I'm talking about people who make Zhirinovsky look like a far-left ideologist. They say, well, what will happen when they, the protesters, if they win, what will happen if they find out that all the factories in Belarus were state-funded and that they'll have no jobs anymore? And a lot of people are stating that they don't even know they're betraying their own nation, but the Belarusian president is, well, so bad that he deserves this. But that they also do not sympathize with these traitors to the West, to the people who want to introduce liberalism and liberal fascism and dangerous ideologies to the human soul, which are in direct opposition to every human value whatsoever to Belarus. And there are some people who actually think like this. There are people who think that we in the West, uh, I guess, according to their accounts, I can say we in the West truly are some sort of an enemy that we want to control everything that someone speaks and whatnot. I don't know about the United States, but here in the EU, well, I can announce my displeasure with whatever happenings is going on quite freely. And while my windows aren't beaten down, unless I speak bad about Russia, then, well, threats come from Russia, so... If you talk about press freedom in that way, then my country's pretty secure. But calling all of the liberal values and the freedom and the free market and everything, and, well, as uh, one commenter from this ultra-nationalistic Russian opposition stated, fake American proto-values who just devour our souls and make us less people than even the Negroes. Uh, that's a direct quote, please do not take it out of context, that is not a racist slur, it's just that I literally quoted a uh, someone from Tsargard TV, Yuri Prankro to be exact, 
because you know he usually speaks about economy but they just throw out racist slurs like this yeah th those are the people who just you know call jews kikes and whatever and they use all these slurs all the time and they have nothing against it yeah they call us the western civilization the evil people who crush the people's spirit who hold no values and for whom money matters over everything and to look at this if you think about it which country has the most oligarchs if you look at european democracies and in the united states to a degree the united states a bit less though because well the us has a lot of more flaws yeah it's like wolf blaming a bear for its faults right it's kind of stupid because they use their traditional values to encourage a way of life that is openly hostile to any criticism and any other free way of thought that could be possible. And that alone scares me. That alone scares me because, well, we used to be a part of the country and we are on the border there. This is why my podcast is called Eastern Border and why I am... Um, sometimes afraid of what would happen and i'm actually very glad that i didn't get a belarusian visa on the 9th of august because i was supposed to go with the medusa guys and you know one of them got abducted and beaten up in prison heavily and well underwent a lot of torture i kind of wouldn't want that happening to myself again very bad you know because going to donbass was was scary enough so i'm gonna I'm gonna make sure that in next month's first episode you're gonna see how this turns out and the next episode uh, which i'm gonna record still because i've got about 15 minutes recorded i lost about 30 minutes of it but it's about historical stuff because you know three episodes of political stuff even though it's important happening in belarus is uh is a bit too much but yeah we're gonna keep um keep in touch with all the situation but now yeah if you if you're just here for the political information you can just you know Pause the podcast and consider it done, and thank you, Tovarishi, for listening. But um, as this is my birthday, and it's kind of a major day for a podcast, I'll be just rambling on for about, you know, 10 minutes more or something about the philosophy of the show and how it's going and what's happening and all that stuff, kind of uh, drawing some, some conclusions, which I don't usually do, but I think it's, it's kind of a, you know, nice way to round it all out. So, well... Thank you for listening, and the final part is for those who just want to hear some ramblings and my emotional state and how I feel about general events in the world and how I'm doing. If you don't like that, then switch off now. You won't be missing anything. Hey guys, Annette here. I hope you are enjoying our new episode of The Eastern Border. As always, a big thank you to all of our Patreons. The show would not be possible without your help. If you are not a Patreon and would like to become one, head over to the Eastern Border page on patreon.com. Please remember to also follow us on our social media, like Twitter, where we are known as Eastern underscore Border, and on our Facebook page. We also have a Discord server, so if you're interested in that, find the link in the description of this podcast. That's it for now. See you online. This podcast brought to you by RussianVoiceOvers.eu. Enjoy. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Okay, so um, everyone who was just interested in um, in the news are gone now, thankfully, I suppose. So first of all, I wanted to say a personal thank you to everyone who supports me on Patreon. I've been uh, doing my lotteries and sending you some stuff. If you haven't gotten any, then, uh, well, PM me your address, because those things are random, and I have a bunch of Patreons, and... I think I've sent some people some things twice or whatever, and my post acts up. But thank you for supporting me, and, uh, you know, every time I click on the Patreon.com page on the Eastern Border, check it out, what's happening. It's always a scary issue because I don't want to look at the declines. Because, you know, I know it's COVID, but that's all my income. And, well, that and I get about 100 $150 from, from ads, uh, which only run in the United States and, and Canada anyways. So uh, I get about $800 per month out of this, out of which I give 250 to uh, on this. So all that's left is, well, what I survive with, which is quite tough, but I'm managing. I'm managing since I live in Lutz anyways. So thank you for your support, patrons. It's really appreciated and, well... I should read out all your names, but it's been a while and I couldn't follow it all and I went through a bout of depression and declined the podcast quality, but then it rose back up, so that's good. But at any rate, know that I am super thankful to you all and that I appreciate your support. If you want to wanna support me, you can also just click the donate button on the easternborder.lv uh, page just click the donate button it accepts paypal and your cards and whatnot and or just pm me on facebook or on twitter or just email us and well might sound stupid but hey i live in a small town 20 kilometers from russia and i'm pretty poor and if you have any spare bucks to throw it my way i'd be glad because uh due to my health issues and my legal issues you know from the last time you know every penny matters to me but that's about the monetary issues and in, in uh, more general terms. Life's been fine. And I wanted to say special thank you to Anate. And uh, I'm pretty sure Anate, well, has included something in the mid-segment. Please do subscribe to Anate's YouTube channel. Uh, she's been a great discovery. She's a great person. She lives in Strasbourg and she has, like, a real job, unlike me, who's just doing these podcasts and dealing with a lot of issues and threats and whatnot. You should subscribe to Anata's YouTube channel and maybe learn a little Latvian. And if you are interested in more Latvian news, go to Joe Horgan and his uh, Latvia Weekly podcast. And we're going to do a civil defense episode with him, but he's a great guy too. All in all, in this previous year, I've met some great friends. I've quit some relationships that I wasn't happy with. And I've been through a lot. But, you know, after 30, you get a bit smarter and you look at the people around you and who are well different from you and you understand that you will not please anyone as much as you want and i know that my q a guy einars his name 
shall never be mentioned again, is yelling at me for even including this in the podcast, but uh, seriously, guys, thank you, and please support the show, and I'm doing a lot of work now, and the episode that I lost was about Catherine the Great's conquests about Eastern Siberia, because that thing moved a lot faster, by the way, uh, than you might imagine, than the Western Siberia, because, you know, it was all in the 18th, 19th century, and those things moved faster because of better technology and better possibilities, and therefore the Russians moved in into the Eastern Siberia way faster than they did in the Western Siberia, so that's going to be a really interesting story. Also going to include Catherine the Great's conquest of Crimea, and we're going to go deep into the Potemkin's villages, and I think I'm going to, well, kind of change this episode to speak about the Potemkin's villages, because like I said, well, my friends from uh, our Fake History podcast have also made um, some notes that those might not be real, but no, no, they actually are, so uh, time to put them up on the map uh, or something. But yeah, thanks for being with me for all these years, and uh, special thanks to my first two listeners, Chris and Mark. You guys, there are two guys who have been with me from the very beginning of the show, and they don't even remember how they found me. And thanks to Dan Carlin for endorsing this show, and thanks to Mike Duncan for endorsing this show, and thanks to everyone for being with me for all this time, and thank you for making me have this job that I really enjoy, and that means a lot to me. And you mean a lot to me. And your support, and what you really do, and the emails that I receive is super special. For example, I will go to the Balkans at the end of September, because a listener from... I guess Serbia, maybe Bosnia, one of those countries, they run a tourism agency that is um, a historical tourism agency, and they sponsored me a trip. Now, it's been delayed now twice already. I was supposed to go that in the early June, then it was moved to early September, now it's moved to late September. But I was supposed to go on a trip, fully paid uh, and everything, to see really where the World War One started, the place. Uh, all the things considering... Um, Gavrilo Princip and, and that guy. Then how uh, all the big mess started, how Bismarck would say. Sorry, this part is held against scripted, so I'll be making a lot of word mistakes. But um, and I'm going to go there and I'm gonna make an episode about this, and I'm deeply honored. I'm also deeply honored about the fact that a lot of people have visited me so far, and uh, people from Texas, people from Australia, Germany, France, from Kentucky, people from New York, well, all over the places have visited me. And I've had the privilege of going to the United States uh, three times already. I've been to New York, I've been to Seattle, I've been to Boston, I've been to Fort Worth, I've been to Vancouver, Canada, I've been to Vancouver Island, I've been to Victoria, Canada, I've been to Berlin, I've, I've, I've seen a lot of the world. One thing that I really want to go to still is Rome. So if anyone of you living in Italy is ready to crash me on the couch, then uh, let me know, because I really want to see Rome before I die, because I'm a huge fan of Stoic philosophy. And there's a lot of places I want to go. And it's all because of you guys, and I truly hope that this show has some meaning to you, because I'm trying to bring you something that others can't, and I don't know how successful I am, Thank you for everything, and thank you for being there. And if I don't mention my patrons uh, by the name, and you know, if you don't receive your souvenir, or uh, if you're a Patreon supporter, then please don't decline the Patreon. Just email me. Please email me. 
because our post fails and and i don't really understand how patreon works i just post episodes there and i tag charge for this episode and 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 then uh just i literally look at all my patreon list and roll a d20 because i'm a gamer geek and and then i just send out some stuff if people respond and give me their address and sometimes they don't and so i all don't and I'm, I'm sitting on a bunch of soviet soap and soviet cigarettes and soviet coins and whatever and i don't know what to do with them please support the show and even if you don't even if you don't if, if you can't if you can't afford it if you if, if you're like me and you're living you know from from paycheck to paycheck uh yeah still email me i'll still do my best because Honestly, today's my 31st birthday, and I'm in a bit of tears now, because, um... Well, if you listened to last episode, then you know, and it's still, um... It still kind of baffles me, because I've met people, and they've asked my autographs, and they treat me like a celebrity, and I have no idea why would they do that, because... I'm not. I'm just a dude. Just like you guys, and I'll respond to anyone. I, if you come to Bluza, in this case, or Riga... I'll, you'll have a place to crash on a tour. I'll take her around town. It's still as wondrous as possible. Heck, I was using like the Rondonautica app and I found where local Americans are taking their kids to play baseball on Saturday mornings, right? They were so afraid of, of me taking their pictures, I posted just one on, on Facebook, that they didn't allow me to take pics of the kids. It's all still a wondrous world to me and I'm, I'm still holding on to some optimism even though, even though I'm old and jaded and and I have seen some serious shit, I've been through some shit and I've endured. But I'm crying now because I'm doing this, because I believe in the show, I believe in what I'm doing. And I truly hope it matters to someone as well. And I wish that, well, some of the problems would go away. But they're mostly monetary and it's just money and I'll manage somehow. I'll fight through. As long as I can tell you my story. As long as I can tell you the story of my people, I will do so. And, um, yeah. I want to give a shout out again to Lauren. I hope she listens to this show. Because she's kind of, kind of there in my heart a bit. Okay, that's about it. Otherwise, I'll just start crying totally. That's for real now, and, uh, happy birthday to me. I'm off playing a pirated copy of Wasteland 3, because I have to wait until, uh, Patreon comes in to buy a copy, sadly. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a dumb thing. But well, what can you do? See ya guys and next episode, Catherine the Great. Thank you for listening to the Eastern Border. If you have any comments or specific details you'd like to know, you're welcome to leave it in the comment section on our site, theeasternborder.lv, and we'll rummage even to the western border to find you an answer. Like this podcast? Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or on our RSS feed. Happiness is mandatory. Good reviews and donations feed the farmers of our kolkhoz in the great motherland. The Eastern Border salutes you. This podcast is part of the Dark Myths Collective. Visit darkmyths.org for more shows like this one. The Dark Myths Void. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.